This is the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler, episode 354. All coaching is developmental in some way. So there is some sort of growth into later stages, as we call them, into broader worldviews that happens through coaching. Even the core of what we do as a coach is all about perspective taking. It's about illuminating the blind spots. It's, it's making visible what is invisible to the client as they come into the process. So whether we think about it or not, we are contributing to our clients' vertical development as coaches. That was Dr. Elise Anagonostakis talking about vertical development. And in this week's episode, we are going to explore what does that framework add to our coaching and how can it help our clients grow and transform? Join us. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello and welcome to the show. It's great to have you here. And I am looking forward to once again diving into ways that we can have better communication here on this planet. We can honor people's growth and development and lean into partnership. So when we think about our conversations with people, there are many different things that we can think about, many different ways that we can be. And one of the things I absolutely love about doing this show is that I'm able to bring different experts forward to share with you their specialty, the lens that they're looking through and see how does that land on you? What is it that might really resonate with you and change the way that you're having conversations with your clients or other people in your life? And maybe it's not changing as much as enhancing or giving you new tools and new things to think about. As we start to wrap up 2023, we're solidly into fall now. We've got about four months left of the year. I want to continue to challenge you to think about how are you keeping your skills strong? What are you doing to bring your work into the world and impact the people that you want to be impacting and helping them open up their lens and and have more opportunities and possibilities. And so having a guest like the guest I have on today is a great opportunity to explore what is some of the great work that's happening in the world that gives you new tools and, and framework to think about. Now, if the work that Dr. Elise Anaganostakis is talking about today sounds a little familiar to you, it's because I had her mentor on the show about a year ago. Dr. Bill Tobert was on episode 298, where we talked about the developmental transformation of leaders. What I love about having Elise on the show now is that she is sort of forwarding that. And while Dr. Tobert was looking at the development of leaders sort of through this vertical development lens at the at the leadership 
aspect, Elise is now going to look at it through the coaching aspect. So there's going to be a little bit, as a matter of fact, if you, after you listen to this interview with Elise, which by the way is fantastic, if you want to get even more information, you might want to go back to episode 298 because they complement each other beautifully. Now, who is Elise? Elise is an adult development researcher. She's a group facilitator and executive coach and founder of the Vertical Development Institute. So for over 15 years now, she's been supporting the development of leaders towards later stages of psychological complexity and maturity. And we'll talk about what that means in the interview. She's an experienced coach, educator, and mentor, and she's accompanied hundreds of coaches on their path to credentialing. Elise has a master's degree in positive leadership and strategy and a PhD in vertical development. She is definitely an expert in this, and she lays it out so beautifully for us in this interview. As she walks the line between adult development research and then applying that to the practice of coaching and leadership development, she really aspires to creatively cross-pollinate between the two spheres of knowledge to generate new developmental coaching practices. And you just hear her passion about this in the interview. And she does such a beautiful job making this understandable and to show how impactful it is to coaching conversations. So I am just delighted that she joined me for the show and believe that you're going to get so much from her exploring these concepts with us and helping us understand what her research has shown her and how she's applied that research to her work. So let's go to my interview with Dr. Elise Anagastakis. Elise, welcome to the Star Coach Show. Oh, thank you for having me, Meg. Great to be here. It's you're so you're all bright and sunny. It's morning where you are. It's the end of the day where I am. So we luckily we're able to bookend our day and spend some time together. I'm so delighted. We're going to be talking about adult development and specifically what vertical development looks like, how that impacts us. And we're going to be aligning that with what we do as coaches or how we can bring this into our coaching to really enrich it and be partners with our clients in development. I'm so excited. And I think it probably makes logical sense to start with sharing what is vertical development? Yes. The big question, <laughs> there's a, a bit of a, an unspoken competition. Uh, I'm jokingly saying so in the uh, community, in the adult development community, who can give the shortest definition or how can we simplify the definition of that, of, of what it is? So I'll give my best shot. All right. Uh, that. Uh, so vertical development is a type of human uh, growth, uh, a type of learning at its core. And it's the other side of the coin of another type of learning, which we call horizontal development. So I have to to mention both if I am to define what vertical is. Right. 
Horizontal development is all about the tools, the knowledge, the information we pour into our minds. Most of our traditional education is actually about furthering people's horizontal development. Vertical development is about how we think, our mindsets, our worldviews, our beliefs. It's the lens through which we look at the world. So a very a visual way to imagine how these two types of learning go together and how they contribute to a person's growth is to imagine a piano and learning the process of learning to play the piano. Mm-hmm. There's technical learning, there's horizontal development. When you learn to play the piano, you need the technique, you need the posture, you need the mm-hmm. speed, you need the accuracy of your movements. All of that you can learn from teachers, from mentors, from books. But then there's also the breadth of the octaves that you cover on your piano, which would be the equivalent of vertical development. So if you're a really, really good piano player playing just one octave, there's only one, you know, so much music you can make. Mm-hmm. But if you play all of your octaves skillfully, that creates complex, beautiful, intricate music. So if you equate that to a human being's growth, you need bo- both the technical skill, but also you need a breadth of mindset, a type of maturity, of wisdom to mm. navigate the complexity of life. Love that. So I heard mindset, wisdom, maturity, all those things that aren't necessarily book taught. They are they are part of how we grow and and sort of that concept of vertical I can see you know that that's kind of how we expand and and grow into who we can be and what we can bring forward so when when we think about vertical development how do you see that applying in the world of coaching yeah so What we know from adult development research is this vertical unfolding. And and there's a limitation to the word vertical because people automatically assume it has to be some sort of stairway to heaven. But (laughs) but in fact, (laughs) like the piano, you can play the lower or the Mm -hmm. higher octaves. If you only play the low or the high, it's equally limiting. So the breadth rather than the pitch. And the balance, right? The balance, Mm -hmm. yes. Um, but we do know that this development unfolds in stages and these stages are predictable. So we can actually measure what is the, what are the stages that a person mostly operates from? So from a coaching perspective, and I actually came into the vertical development research as a coach. So a lot of my research curiosities were sparked from my coaching practice where I, you know, like all of us, I was wondering why do some clients progress faster than others? Or why does my own coaching style land differently for different clients? What What is it in that liminal space between you and the client that actually furthers the client growth? And what does that growth even consist of? Because we can see people, you know, really transforming after a coaching process. And we also have clients who seem to be somewhat stuck in patterns and we can't mm-hmm. seem to, to really, we're the same coach, but the unfolding is not the same. Right. So what I've learned through going into research on adult development with a coaching mindset on um, is that all coaching is developmental in some way. So there is some sort of growth into later stages, as we call them, into broader worldviews that happens through coaching. Even the core of what we do as a coach is all about perspective taking. It's about illuminating the blind spots. It's, It's making visible what is invisible to the client as they come into the process. So whether we think about it or not, we are contributing to our clients' vertical development as coaches. When we do explicitly know about what that looks like, so we know how to recognize the different flavors of the different stages as they unfold, 
that gives us a sort of an x-ray kind of tool to see underneath the coaching process. So you might have more awareness as a coach as to what is exactly that developmental nudge that this particular client needs, or you might have a keener sense uh, as to their readiness for being challenged in a certain way. So I'll just give you a concrete example. Yes. If, if you notice paradox in something that the client says, and you bring that out and you invite them to explore polarity or a paradox, for some clients, that is exactly what they need because in their development, they're at that right stage where their capacity for noticing paradox is already there. For other clients, your question might make absolutely no sense. So it's a developmental readiness meets coaches' inquiry or skill. So this is where I think knowing and understanding development can actually enhance our practice in very interesting ways. I love that. So what are some of the things that you lean into, some of the concepts, some of the, what does vertical development sort of offer as as tools or, or concepts that that open those doors for you as the coach? Mm. I think the developmental uh, or an, an understanding of development offers a conceptual framework for a coach within which you can more purposefully choose your tools. Mm -hmm. So, for example, one of the stages of development on this uh, piano, one of the octaves yes. on the piano is called the diplomat. And that is a type of mindset where people... People need to belong. They need to be part of something. They they don't ha yet have that self-awareness to kind of inquire into who am I? What's unique about me? And we usually grow through these stages into the next one when we hit the limits of our current meaning-making system. So there comes a time when you are forced to kind of be on your own, have a voice, have a point of view, and your mind, your diplomat-oriented mind, does just can't make sense of that new reality where you have to stand on your own two feet. So every type of inquiry that supports a client to find their voice, what are your needs versus the needs of your family of, or of your community? And even having that awareness that your needs might actually at times conflict with those of people that you deeply care about or working through the drama triangle around, you yes. know, savior and aggressor and all of those patterns. That for a client who is making the shift from diplomat into the next stage, which is called the expert, which is more more of a stage where people get a, start to get a sense of what is it that I know? How am mm -hmm. I separate in a sense from my community? That can actually support that client to make that shift. And similarly, each subsequent stage has some sort of edge. Leaders getting promoted from an expert perspective hit the limits of their expertise when they have to lead a team. So you you were the best, you know, whatever you were doing, uh, individual contributor in your team right. and you get promoted. And now you have to achieve through others. So your expert mindset that's very knowledge focused, very aware of what you know, what you can do, no longer serves you. So you need to outgrow that and shift into the next stage, which is called, interestingly, the achiever, which is more goal oriented. So as a coach, I'm I'm walking alongside my client on that path and kind of feeling Where's that nudge? Where where are they hitting the edges of their current meaning-making framework? And, so and that's I what I wanted to lean back into, the whole meaning-making. I think that that's key. So how do you kind of help tap into and help the client evoke awareness about what makes meaning to them? Where, where are they currently? What's their growth look like? Mm. For coaches who choose to get trained in, mm -hmm. in understanding developmental theory, they will have a knowledge of these 
stages, what the stages okay. are, what the characteristics of each stage. Uh, so they'll start to recognize in their client stories where where those edges between where that you know, development is and where okay yeah, that's where that development is as with then, anything that we learn right like I teach cognitive coaching so it's it becomes oh those are distortions that I was not even aware of but now that I'm aware of the distortions I hear them and it's the yes. same kind of thing once you're aware of the developmental stages and what's included in those you become more tuned into what you're hearing and very likely what's making meaning for your client yes that is a okay. one big element. And the other big element, which I think is interesting and goes beyond the stages themselves, is that vertical growth only happens or seems to only happen when there is some sort of what we call in the research disorienting dilemma. There's some sort of, I can't make sense of this challenge in my life with my current mindset. There's this moment of, I feel stuck. I feel powerless. What has served me, what's got me here won't get me there. We all see that in clients in coaching, whether or not we put a developmental lens on right. it. But for me as a developmentalist, those types of struggles, they, they indicate an opportunity or a readiness for growing into a broader mindset. So I almost see the developmental opportunity in the stuckness, which actually is encouraging as a coach because you yes. no longer feel, oh, so how do we get unstuck? It's, oh, we're, we're stuck. So there's growth lurking beneath the surface in that stuckness. When you said, when I see stuckness, that's an opportunity for growth versus often a coach might get stuck in what's the value I'm bringing? How am I going to get the client unstuck? What if the client continues to spin? That's, you know, it, it a becomes a reflection. It's not about us a and then just in general, I love that it's not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. Yes. And also, I think it serves as a reminder of something that we keep talking about in the coaching space. We're not there to create solutions for our clients. We're there to support them to reach their own. Right. But when you add developmental understanding to it, you might even start to value the struggle more, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Because the, the final outcome, the client finding a solution, finding a way forward out of their conundrum, whatever that conundrum might be, is a result but the process, the painful process of getting to that result and the invitation for you as a coach to hold space, to continue challenging, to be patient, to, to trust your client's process, mm -hmm. right? We say all the time, trust the right. process. Right. The process is an unfolding of growth within the client that comes from that struggle that you get to witness as a coach. And it's a privilege to almost let go of the need to get to the outcome really quickly because you start to see, oh, there's so much gold in the journey because that growth happens in the journey. The outcome is just what, you know, results from the client seeing a new perspective. So much gold in the journey. Absolutely. So when, as a developmental coach, how aware are your clients that that's part of the framework that you're using with them? If that makes sense, are you inviting them in, or is that is that information that you have and and it's a lens you're looking through, but not necessarily a lens that they know you're looking through? Yeah, that's a great question, Meg. And it's a it's one that we're debating a lot um, in the developmental coaching community whether making the framework explicit or using it implicitly is better. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's one right answer to this question. It depends a lot on the client. And mm -hmm. what I'm noticing as a broad, broad pattern, and this is a generalization in itself, but it's I use it as guidance, is 
clients who are later stage in their development already. So they've got a level of self-awareness. They start to get really curious about the workings of their own mind. Mm-hmm. They they want to understand what is behind or what that framework is. And then knowing it, and it can come as just an explanation, just a share of, you know, the piano and the stages. I sometimes bring that into coaching as mm-hmm. information for the client. It can come as a developmental assessment, and we have different types of developmental assessments we can bring into coaching. But knowing the journey helps the client sense into where they're at and what can what can be next for them and also helps them become more aware of what we call the fallback moments. So when you regress into less mature ways of being under stress or pressure, so there's an advantage to making it explicit in those contexts. But there are clients who come to coaching with a very pragmatic view of, I just want to get to an outcome and I just want you to help me get to that outcome. And there might be no added value at all to making the framework explicit in those contexts. So I follow the client in that regard as well. As as any good coach would, right? We don't cookie cutter. We don't give the same kind of coaching for everyone. And you're aware of what's their environment, what's their experience, what's their desired outcome, and you meet that with your approach. So that, that, but thank you for that, because I know that people would be interested, like, is this something that I lay out? Or is it something that I use as a as a framework? Um, I think it's a, it's a great question for any kind of models or frameworks coaches bring to their coaching. I, I imagine we often have that choice of, do you make this explicit or do you actually let it inform your curiosity in the process, but maybe it's not in the service of the client right. for you to make that explicit. Right. Yeah. And then there's the you know the concept of, well, it, it, that might involve some teaching and is it okay to step into a place of teaching? And I think that, yes, if it serves the client, it's okay to kind of step into that, into that place. So you brought up something that is very common in coaching that, that, that a client might be in a paradox or in a this and this or that ambivalence that we struggle with when it comes to change. How how do you see engaging with a client to help them with that forward movement through the lens that you're looking as a developmental coach? Mm. To, to answer that question, I might just step back for just a yes. second to to share with you a little bit about the research that I've I've done for my PhD, which was focused on looking at a group of leaders going through a six month long developmental program. And how the question was, how does actually vertical development unfold when people go through transformative learning experiences, which I think coaching is, although we don't transfer knowledge, it is a transformative learning experience in that sense. So the big finding in that study was that 30% of people actually shifted into a later stage six months later, 70% either stagnated or regressed. So when we remeasured them, and the framework, by the way, was not made explicit, so they didn't know anything about adult development or stages. They just took this test and went through this program in 2020, as many of them were in lockdown. This happened in Australia. So we had people in the big cities who were in lockdown for almost six months in Melbourne, Sydney. So it was a super stressful time for everyone, as we all know. What I found, so my question was, what's the differentiator? Why did some people grow from that experience and others didn't? The only differentiator that I could find was what people did with the challenging emotions that come with their conundrums, dilemmas, paradoxes, struggles. Mm -hmm. So from that struggle, there's always emotion that falls out of that. 
and that emotion is usually challenging. It's anxiety, it's fear, it's grief, it's a confusion, which in leadership context is very, very threatening to feel. I don't know. I have no idea how to proceed. The people who develop, they chose to see those emotions as opportunities for growth. So they had this belief in them that I'm feeling anxious. This means there's some sort of growth opportunity here versus the rest of them had the belief, I'm feeling anxious. There's something wrong with me. I've got to fix it. Mm -hmm. So the people who developed, they chose to pour curiosity over their anxiety or they chose to pour for themselves. They almost engaged in self-coaching. If you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we can can look at it like that. But in doing that, what they did was they made the discomfort bearable enough for them to then be able to go, how else could I look at the situation? What's a reframe that would help me here? What's another way of going about this that might work better? So it felt to me as if there's an emotional space, a messy, painful space you have to go through in order to unlock deeper reflection and a new perspective. And then coming out of the research as a coach, I thought, wow, that is actually the core of what we do in coaching. So we hold space purposefully, consciously for those messy feelings for our clients. And it is us often coaches who bring in the curiosity ingredient. I've actually called it the contrasting emotion space. So the negative emotion is called edge emotion in the research because it's at the edge of your current way of thinking. So Mm -hmm. there's something beyond. But then the contrasting emotion is curiosity, uh, which then tempers that edge emotion and makes allows you to go, okay, this discomfort is bearable enough for me to take some risks, to experiment with a new approach here. So to come back to your question, what I, where I think the, the gold is, is finding those edge emotions that are accompanying our clients' conundrums mm-hmm. and knowing that the curiosity we bring into the process is actually a developmental catalyst. And then we can choose how to, you know, inject that curiosity, either inviting the client to genuinely be curious about how they're feeling or be curious about something that is bothering them. So I think it it brings a new purposefulness Mm -hmm. to this powerful ingredient of curiosity, which is such an essential part of coaching. Oh, you actually gave me goosebumps. I love the research that you did. And what that brought forward. And what's so funny, for those of you who can actually see this, my my mug says, stay curious. <laughs> and I love that. It says, stay curious. This was a gift from a client who was struggling with those very things. And as we leaned into curiosity, and we leaned into what she could learn rather than what she felt like she needed to push down everybody's throats about what she already knew... She grew so much. I um and and I received this in the mail one day, the stay curious mug, because she felt that Brilliant. staying curious changed her life. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. And it's so such a beautiful synchronicity. You've got <laughs> it right there next to you. Yeah. Um, happens to be my hot tea to help my COVID cough stay down. Yeah. So excellent. Oh, what mm. else from your research would you like to share, if anything? Just I am a research junkie. I love the fact that um, you leaned so heavenly in this. First of all, that you went into this with a coaching mindset to begin with. And so much of it seems to weave into what we what we want, the impact we want to bring as coaches, the the awareness 
awareness that we really want to help evoke. So I'm just curious, is there anything bubbling up for you that you're, you want the audience to know about what you've learned? Yeah, perhaps the, the one other thing that I found really interesting is, um, this, uh, idea that underneath these stages. So just as the piano has the octaves, each octave has seven notes, right? So, um, in a person's developmental unfolding, if you double click, if you almost zoom in, you will find something that we call lines of development. So you might see somebody who is very, very um, sophisticated in their cognitive thinking, but they're not that self-aware. And we've all had that in coaching, I believe. Or you've got clients who might be extremely emotionally sensitive, but they might not really be able to cognitively look at their own sensitivity. So so you've got these, these threads of development that evolve evolve almost independently they're interconnected obviously but they they are asynchronous so when we test people we might have somebody be tested at a late stage of development but when you go down you'll see that that person has lines of development that operate two stages before where they're at what this means is that from a coaching perspective i might actually start to look how do my clients engage with power if they're leaders how do they engage in collaboration? How self-aware are they? How cognitive, cognitively sophisticated are they? They How um, emotionally attuned to themselves and others are they? What's their relationship to time? Some people have a, a wrestle, struggle. A lot of people have a wrestle, struggle relationship to time. But that re- our relationship to time is actually a developmental line in itself. So, for example, learning to be present may mm-hmm. actually forward or help us grow around our line of time. So this creates a lot of opportunity and options in a coaching context where we don't look at our clients as this, you know, monolith. There's, you know, I'm pushing this person up the scale of development. I'm actually looking at what is the opportunity for this client? Can I help them put their cognitive complexity in the service of their emotional self-awareness so they can grow that too? Mm-hmm. And that might actually help them solve whatever it is that they're working on. So this can help you choose your tools as a coach. You might use more language-based or intellectual-based kinds of approaches with some clients and you might go for more somatic approaches with other clients because where is their zone of discomfort where they need a stretch? Oh, interesting. So I love that that idea of as you go deeper, you kind of see some of the threads that maybe weren't as developed as others or might be that thing beneath the thing that the client doesn't understand. And now you have a tool to help them determine how they're going to respond to whatever that thing yeah. is that they've never really understood. I might just uh, give you an example because yes, I know I love uh, that you've had my friend Tracy Winter as uh, one of your guests. And yes. I love Tracy and I've learned so much from her. And we actually came together and did a bit of work on coaching neurodivergent clients and vertical development and how those two intersect. And something we realized talking about these lines of development is that quite often gifted neurodivergent clients, they might have high self-awareness, but lower self-regulation. And uh, Tracy actually made me realize there is a line of self-regulation. You can be very self-aware, but not be able to self-regulate. So if I 
know that about my client? How do I support them along that specific line? So the more I talk and explore, (laughs) the more I discover new ways of looking at this and how it might actually make a difference to our coaching. And the other thing that you said that I've been just on a, a drive lately for is that you're connecting with other coaches in their specialty and pulling things together and saying, how can your body of work help my body of work and vice versa? And I'm just such a believer that we're really all better together. We don't have to be in in competition with one another. What can all of this work that we're doing together, how can we come together? Who could, you know, listeners, who could you look at in your community and say, I want to learn more about that person or what they're doing and how that can potentially you know, I can share my expertise, they can share their expertise, and we can be better together. So I know I got on my soapbox there for just a second. No, I love it. I just, it's such an important element to, to my own work, what you're articulating, because I think there, there are so many missed opportunities of cross-pollination. And I'm really, really interested how that cross-pollination can happen. And if we turn the mirror towards ourselves, we might even say it's a test of our maturity how willing we are to let go of some of our certainties, of some of our allegiance to a certain school of thought, and genuinely, openly, curiously learn from other people's experience and and let that shape us uh, instead of having this fixed identity. I'm a cognitively oriented or I'm a developmental or I'm whatever it is that I am. That's just a slice. But then a later stage perspective on that is... Can I can I let the membrane of my identity be permeable to other influences that could grow me and I could contribute to other people's growth in turn within the profession, not just uh, in relation to our clients? Right. So good. So unfortunately, we're we're getting to the end of our time. I'm just curious if there's anything that we didn't touch on that you want to be sure that we present around this important information. And uh, we're definitely going to have links for people to be able to connect with you and connect with the work that you do. Because I promise you, there's some people who's who are getting all fired up about what they're hearing and want to learn more about it. Yeah, I'm very excited to uh, share and nerd out with uh, anybody who's interested. well, I think the, the maybe the one thing that I would add is, and I don't think it's valid only for developmental coaching, it's valid for all coaching. To me, there's always this question, am I walking the talk? Am I willing as a coach to lean into that developmental discomfort for myself? How are my clients offering me mirrors in which I see my own unexamined corners? How do I fall back in coaching? Where do I fall back into my expertise and my need to know and have certainty? So I think when you add a developmental lens to it, it's a constant invitation to self-reflection and self-honesty as a coach, because we support our clients' growth, but they grow us in turn. So any efforts we make to keep ourselves honest uh, through supervision, through journaling, through self-reflective practices, through mentoring, I think they're a huge gift we can give ourselves. And then in turn, it pays forward because we show up as a more mature self uh, in service of our clients. Oh, beautiful way to end. Thank you so much for bringing this important information forward. I am, I'm fired up. I see when you talk about it, you just light up. And I'm so grateful that you shared that with all of us. 
deeply grateful for inviting me, Meg. It's been a pleasure to have this conversation with you. I am so grateful to Elise for sharing such great information. If you'd like to know more about her and the Vertical Development Institute, please go to starcoachshow.com slash 354, starcoachshow.com slash 354, and pick up the links in the show notes to be able to explore all that she has to offer and uh, the resources that she shared. She also mentioned in her interview that I had Dr. Tracy Winter on the show where we talked about being a neurodiversity coach. That was episode 289. So if you're curious about that, episode 289 is where I talked with Dr. Tracy Winter. I continue my conversation with Elise in the Star Coach community. If you would like to be a part of a community where you can get your questions answered, have time with other coaches and experts and be able to actually dive in and be a part of coaching demos and so much more, explore the community in the show notes at starcoachshow.com slash 354. Come back next week where I will be introducing you to Chantel Cornelius we're going to be talking about how you use emotions and your clients' desired emotions in your marketing. It's fascinating. I'm so excited to share that with you as well. So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Have a fantastic week. <music>